0: Welcome all you sports fanatics uh, coming back to you for episode two of Hang 'Em Up. We got Jordan, Tyler, and Slick Nick coming to you uh, live. And tonight, guys, I'm telling you, you better get your boxing gloves, your ice packs, your jaw off, up the, off the floor here. We're going to be talking about a lot of controversial things tonight, talking about the dreaded parent stories. The uh, over egotistical coaches and the uh, umpires who just can't seem to get it right and drive us crazy, which we all know starts a snowball effect of everything else and then some Uh, love to uh, thank everyone who tuned into us last week we uh, got a lot of great feedback hopefully we continue to deliver some great content. And so, uh, yeah, let's jump right into it tonight. Um, I'm going to pass this over to uh, to Nick, and let's just go ahead and dive right in. We're going to go uh, dreaded parents, some of these stories, some of these things that we can learn from, and how to uh, move forward whenever we are faced with these conflict to make the best of each situation.
1: Where to start? I'm trying to think through how do I want to go about this because I want to be very sensitive to the parents that are involved. I mean, I've got one example of a coach that wouldn't allow a kid to play. If we want to talk
0: about that one, hey man, it's open floor, man. I think our biggest objective tonight, right, and I think we can all agree, is you know, kind of talking about these taboo things that maybe behind the scenes we comfortably kind of uh, trade war stories, but as we kind of un- unveil it and talk about it, it gets a little, it gets a little touchy sensitive. It it comes across, regardless how we pretend not to, to be personal, right? And so I, I think through reflection, you know, looking back at the analysts of how did I handle it? How did that parent handle it? Was there merit there? And how do we move forward? Because inevitably, we still have what I consider to be, you know, when we sign up to be the head coach, our objective is to find a way to make this kid, this parent, this umpire, whatever, to be an enjoyable experience. And we know that that's not completely true, right? It's uh, probably some... Fictitious perspective that we have that we're going to walk through a season and everything's going to go perfect. You know, so knowing or even that sometimes maybe we just talk about the first time we hit adversity under these topics and how we dealt with it and how we've been able to grow with it.
1: I'm trying to think through a scenario that happened a while ago. I won't, I won't give very specifics here where we had a situation where the parent would show up, drop their kid off. And try to distract the kid. by say, oh, just go, you know, go to practice. You know, the coach, everybody's got, got going on. Just go run the bases. And then the parent creeps back into the car. And then to make matters worse, gets in the car, starts the car, and leaves practice. From a coach's standpoint, the number one thing that I'm thinking through the back of my head is, what happens if this kid gets hurt? Yeah. Uh, i I'm, again, we're, we're all volunteers, right? Some have, some have professional backgrounds, but, but I say professional, back, professional backgrounds with managing, right? But mm-hmm. We're managing adults in that situation. I'll be the first one that I was not prepared for this type of scenario because it is, it's a safety issue. The, the kid gets hit in the face of the ball, which is very reasonable in this circumstance. Who's driving that kid to the hospital, right? I, I don't think I had the parents and to be clear, I was not a head coach during this time. I didn't I had no idea who had the parents' number. And you want to talk about it, we have what, eleven, ten, eleven kids on our teams? We've got another ten kids that we gotta worry about. I think from a from an expectation standpoint, since that moment that I witnessed that, not once, but several times at practice. Uh, I made a mental note to myself of hey. When I do become a head coach at some point, that's going to be one of the first things I address to the parents is don't get in your car and leave your kid at practice. This is not a glorified daycare. I'm not Mm -hmm. a child psychologist. I don't, I I know what works for my kids if they get hurt or if they they get a stinger, right? Like something that hits them somewhat hard, but not like it's going to break a bone. They just, they got scared they could make a bruise, whatever. Right. But I I have no idea. Like I'm not a child psychologist. I can't like figure out what works for your kid. I barely know the kid.
0: Or, or, you know, Nick, I I think about this and I say this lightly, but in a serious, what if little Timmy has to go to the bathroom? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Is, is, is he potty trained? Does he have the capability of going by himself? If you have to have someone, accompany, that kind of puts you in a unique, compromisable situation, you know, I'll I'll guard the door, right? The kids of
1: the opposite gender. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that that was one that I literally was flabbergasted about, and I, I have to this day, I'm not entirely sure if that situation was addressed at the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I I knew moving forward that like, I, I got to take note of that, and that's the, one of the sad things about uh, youth sports and like having to coach kids on again a volunteer basis, like you're, nobody's getting paid for this. I think that's another thing that gets lost in the mix. We're doing the best we can to try to better the kids mm-hmm. but i think it's somewhat unfair that some of the parents think that we're there to babysit their kid specifically right so that funny story you bring that up that was something that crossed my mind of like another to me it's a heartbreaking uh situation but a kid that struggled athletically and we had been working with this kid of like it was hitting off the tee basically this is what you do with your feet your hands i mean it was very, very elementary. And the kid just kept hacking underneath it, above it, below it, I mean, just over and over again. Well, when we had that light bulb moment, Jordan, that you mentioned uh, last time, we had that light bulb moment. And the kid looks up, and mom and dad's got their nose buried in their phones. And the kid was so proud. And like I'm, I was ecstatic for the kid as well, but it like pains me. And I, it could have been an innocent circumstance, right? That the parents like were checking on their other kids. I, who knows, right? I think there's something to be said about uh, like in our society, and I, I'm I'm guilty of this as well. So don't think like I'm I'm sitting up here on like some sort of uh, ivory tower. I think there's something to be said about the the whole circumstance of like being present. Yeah, be present yeah, for perfect. your kid. Be present for your family. There's a ton going on, a ton with work, personal lives whatever it may be but the uh, practice like especially if you you know the kid's been struggling and whatnot like encouragement means a lot i mean you you bring like let's let's be abundantly clear little timmy three-year-old four-year-old timmy didn't sign themselves up for this game the adult did on some level uh, i know all three of us have gone through this where they we've had kids that are clearly there because their parents have signed them up for it and they could not care less i mean they don't even care Mm -hmm. about the snack afterwards they're like when can we leave it's buddy you just got here and like when they when they see their parent not even present whether that's physically um or mentally and encourage not like not encouraging them uh, what's that suggesting to the kid that stuff bothered me and still does to this day, to my core, that's as a parent, that's that is our responsibility to be there for the kid and encourage
2: them. Tyler, I have a question to pose to you. So something that I've noticed, especially this fall with my team, because I think it's the first time that I've ever had it. Tyler, give your feedback on how much does having 11 kids matter compared to having 11 sets of parents that are engaged and active and give feedback compared to, six sets of parents that are active and then just five sets of parents that are just there because they want their kid out of the house a couple of nights a week.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I was sitting here as Nick, you were kind of going through this conversation and I I kind of have, it's it's weird because depending on the hat and the level of which I'm the coach, I'm going to give a different answer. If I'm coaching college, I actually want those parents literally just to sit there and cheer on their, their daughter, their son. And that's the extent of, I want to be able to have, you know, interaction. You know, it's nothing against them. I'm sure they're nice people, but I want as little involvement as possible. On the flip side, when you completely swing the pendulum back over to this other side, the the parents are just as integral to your success as you coaching them kids. As in, you know, and, and we've talked about this within the last few days, you know, I. I don't know if it's previous pedigree. I don't know if it's the standard that I create. It's the communication. I don't think that it would be much different than what any other, you know, quality head coach at this, you know, league does. But I haven't had too many parent issues, whether it's uh, a parent overstepping their boundary, having an unrealistic expectation to what, where and what they think their kids should be doing. And or, you know, I, I'm, I make it abundantly clear that, you know, from the day one of practice, number one. You, the parent, also need to be present. You need to be available. You need to be on time, right? And so not that these parents, fingers crossed a lot of time, have to be taught these life lessons that we talk about, you know, from our first episode that we're trying to integrate into these kids. But I think that in a nutshell, I'm not going to have any as many dreaded stories, so to speak, but just really kind of sing the praises for a moment for the parents that I have had, you know, two, two seasons ago or last season, however we phrase that. I had parents that it was if I needed a volunteer, they were the first to raise their hand. Right. And I was having to tell people, oh, I've already got Johnny's dad and Timmy's mom. And, you know, we were good to go. And, you know, we get done playing this last game. And the the head coach that we played was like, so you have a staff that emulates a strength and conditioning coach and a base running coach. And, you know, because this year I've been blessed to have seven coaches, which, as you all know, when you have seven coaches, that means that you have six other dads you know, respectfully that are signing up to be involved with their son's, you know, sport or passion. And I, I love seeing that. Right. So on the flip side, Nick, where you talk about these, you know, the breaking heart moments, which I think we, you know, is definitely something to kind of talk about. I also have gotten the, the fortunate flip side of this coin to see some parents that have really done it the right way. And, you know, and a big applause to them. Right. Because, you know, just like when I tell that whole team, it's attitude and effort. You know, that's top down. That's not just the kids going home and giving a, you know, a a quick one liner to their mom and dad. Like if mom and dad's like, what would you learn at baseball today? You know, I hope they say, hey, mom, I learned that attitude and effort mean a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's talk baseball all of a sudden. What would you learn in baseball? We ran around the bases. It was fun. (laughs) You know, got to got to chase my friends afterwards. You know, but I will say just for a second, you know, y'all talked about the the horror parent stories or or the, the potential potential pitfalls that we see. You know, on the flip side of it, you know, because of the years of experience of coaching, I've come across the overextending your boundary parents, right? The parents that they might give money to your program. So now all of a sudden they have an expectation for how far their money goes. That's an uncomfortable situation. I've, I've had parents where, quite frankly, I come from Tennessee and I'm creating this shiny brand. And all of a sudden they want they're trying to extract my networking hey, I've got these kids that have aspirations to go play college ball, and they're on the back end of their youth playing careers, but they want to use my connections to basically try to place their daughters into the collegiate game. And it got down to the last tournament of the season, and basically I had five or six parents come up to me in a warpath circle that said, hey, we're good. We don't need you anymore. And That's kind of hard to deal with, right, because the reason why you're brought in to begin with was everything that they did or essentially the only thing that they didn't have. I don't understand or or maybe I'm posing this question and y'all can kind of provide insight on y'all's end. I don't understand from a parent's perspective sometimes what it is that you expect. Is it playing time? Is it life lessons? Is it understanding that you, the coach, have your their daughter or son's best interest? Is it fulfilling the joy of the game, win or loss? Is it all about winning? You know, a, a lot of different questions started rising in my head and I don't know if we'll ever, if we'll ever completely ace that test, right? So it makes you ponder like what does, you know, and I guess we kind of talked about it last podcast, what is our why then? Do our, our whys align? And like yeah.
1: the other aspect that I know, I know for a fact, all three, a, three of us have gone through this is we could be the best communicators, but if the parent won't even communicate with us, Billy's not going to be at practice today or they'll tell you 30 minutes into practice. Hey, by the way, Billy's sick. He came home from school this morning. At what point were you going to tell us that? I know the three of us well enough to know that like we have practice plans. We take sp- specific kids and work with them on specific things. I know you you two are probably better at it than I am. I, I mean, I, I do keep a list of like which kids need to work on T work, which kids need to work on pitching uh, or coach coach pitch or who needs to work on fielding ground balls and, and throwing to get them to the next step of like hey you you want billy to, to play second base i need billy to stop a ground ball but more importantly i need billy to pay attention because billy's mm-hmm. not paying attention guess what the team that we're playing has four left-handers and they all pull the ball really really hard and they're six-year-olds so it's not going to be a little dinker to them it's they it could really do some damage
0: So one thing I've always communicated, Nick, you know, to these parents, the ones that are always asking the why I'm not going to go as far as saying they're playing the victim I immediately, always twist. And I tell them before they can even get the sentence out of their mouth, instead of you finishing that sentence and you starting it with why is I want to tell you how they can. And so I think that that's one thing as coaches that and I don't know if this is something y'all implement, but something that I would encourage, you know, anytime you start to ask why you always need to know the how, you know, how are we going to get better? How is what is the blueprint for Timmy that wants to play second base? Is it extra reps? Is it is it a technical flaw? Is it an effort issue? Is it? Being focused. Right. And I try to. And one thing I told my parents and I do this every year after every first practice, I make an assessment plan. And I it's a long winded day. Right. My wife is never pleased. But she always knows that first time after practice, I'm going to make a call to every family. Every family will get at least a 15 to 20 minute conversation. Hey, I'm just really it's about acquainting myself with them. But it's also letting them know, here's how I see Timmy. Here's the pluses. Here's the negative here's some things that y'all can utilize to get better on y'all's own time. And you'll kind of quickly realize and, and you'll see it quickly as practices progress. You see who really wants it, you know, mom and and that's just mom and dad included. Like, does mom and dad really take what you said and implement it into what they do at home? Or did mom and dad maybe appreciate what you said? It falls on deaf ears and they're going to just hit the bare minimum. Okay, we got seven practice scheduled. Yeah, Timmy's got seven practices in them. That's about it. But I want to make sure that I don't, I make sure that I turn every rock over and give them everything that they can to be successful. And I think that at the end of the day, when you talk about does it align, I think it really just comes down to you do what you feasibly can. Right. And 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 that's the, to the extent that I go, not, not every coach does that. Right. Not every coach I think has the understanding or communication skills to do that, you know? And so maybe on this podcast, if there's a coach out there that takes anything away from this particular session is, um, how to grow your game and being able to eliminate parent issues by finding those communication skills, finding that directional point to give them the how. And, and then sometimes you just kind of push the, you know your chips in and falls where it is, you know, where it may. So to tie
2: back into something Tyler said, so I think Tyler and I are aligned and I think Nick may be this way to agree. During the game, I have blinders on to everything else that goes on during the game. If coaches are arguing, I don't pay attention. If a coach throws a T in the dugout, I don't pay attention. I have tunnel vision with what's going on. So I don't hear the peanut gallery. I don't hear comments from parents or grandparents or anything like that. Luckily, my wife sits in the stands and wants to tell me every single thing that was said during the game. And that is fine. And there's all those, there's always those parents who want Johnny to play the infield. He's not paying attention in the outfield because he's not being challenged. He needs to be in the infield. Baseball is basic not basic math. We have 11 kids. There are six infield spots. Five kids have to be in the outfield. That's math. That's how it works. If your kid is in the outfield, it's either a numbers game because they're young, because they don't pay attention, or because they're not better than the other six in the infield. It's not personal. It's safety. It's baseball. It's giving us the best chance to win. As coaches, you want to win like that's the ultimate goal that you set out to give every kid on that field a chance to win when you step out onto the field. You also have a responsibility, I think you have a responsibility to give all 11 kids the opportunity to get better than they were before the first practice. A kid's not going to get better standing in left field for 14 games and never seeing the infield. You can take ground balls in the outfield, but until you have a chance to get some work in, you're not going to have the opportunity. It's a fair balance. And as much as I don't hear criticism and I don't hear feedback from the crowd, you know, it's there. A lot of time I have an asshole personality to where I really don't care what other people say. They didn't sign up to be the coach. It's not their, it's not their call. It's my call. It's my calls to pick the six best kids that are going to get the majority of the balls to give us the best chance to win. Those other five kids I also have a responsibility for to make sure they're engaged. They stay interested in baseball and we don't lose them before the season's up. Do I have to find time to work them in? Yes. Will parents complain and will parents say things from outside the fence? Yes. In some cases, will it be loud and directed at a coach? Yes. Is that the best way to go at it from a parent perspective? Probably not. I don't think that as a parent, you should berate coaches during a game or give your feedback. I know Nick referenced it last week about a parent who had opinions on how things should be going. And I don't assume Nick got their submission to be an assistant coach. If you have suggestions as a coach, I'm more than happy to hear your suggestion. If you think you know something or you want to give something to me outside of the game, feel free. Complaining without an action is just bitching, if we're being honest.
0: Well, I think that's, that submission still on HR's desk. Just heard through the grapevine. Hey, <laughs> HR. I, I think that's probably the, uh, the most frustrating aspect. And then, like,
1: my frustration – well, let me let me back up. Jordan, yes, to a degree, I'm a little bit more aware of what's going around. I think in that circumstance, just to provide context, it was during a quiet moment. The had screen time plays dead, and that's, that's when the comment was thrown out. But my, my frustration with that situation is – as a coach, I've kind of paralleled to management. You have an employee or an employee's spouse that shows up to work and is making a scene and is a distraction, but they come out and say, this department's losing money because of you. You have two options. One, you can get into that pissing match, so to speak, or two, you can turn the other cheek and focus on what really matters. And maybe, maybe your apartment is hem- hemorrhaging money. Who knows? But I think that's the frustrating part. You can't and you're not going to engage into that sort of conversation. And that takes self-control, that takes guts, so to speak. Don't get me wrong, I I welcome criticism like that in that situation. There was there's literally I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there's nothing we could have done about that. Uh we were just basically getting our teeth kicked in and we had to accept. It. But the benefit for the parents is they can walk away. They can they can shout their obscenities and continue to walk away, go to the parking lot and get in the car, and they can leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I signed up to be out there on the field and continue to take that criticism, as opposed to hide out in the dugout. No, I'm still standing there. Versus you get to leave. You get to well, if it's that embarrassing, by all means, you can leave. But I mean, that's that's ultimately the responsibility we sign up for. That's why we that's why we become head coaches. We don't have glass jaws, so to speak. We can take the criticism if you got feedback by all means, give it to us i I welcome any sort of feedback, but to Jordan's point, be part of the solution,
0: not the problem. yeah, one thing before we move on to our next segment where we'll talk about uh, butting heads with umpires. I'm going to actually challenge Jordan and give a little pushback on something you know one thing, and I know I'm probably going to catch a lot of haters. I'm actually willing to to look at people's comments after this uh after this podcast I go into every season assuming that I can't please everyone and in doing so I make it abundantly clear that playing time and position is on a merit base, right? But on the flip side of that, to protect that, because I know that that seems like a very black and white type of perspective, is that I'm always going to give those kids more to continue to work on that's not ever going to be pushed. If we think about seven practices at an hour and a 15 minutes a piece, right? No kid is going to become a subject matter expert in baseball over a 10-hour window and expect this Just blink the eye. Oh, my gosh, Johnny is the next fill in the blank because he got 10 hours worth of great practices in. I think that's unrealistic expectation. And so I do agree, Jordan, that, you know, we talk about trying to give everyone as much opportunity as possible. But I'll also say that with those 11 spots, I want them I don't want to say to have it brutally honest, but I also want them to be able to start making their own honest assessments. And if they do have those questions, that's where I actually welcome that dialogue. You know, when they come at me with that, why I'm going to give them the how, you know, here's how, you know, Johnny can get better. You know, it's going to take extra work. He's just younger, you know, just using that as an example. He's not as athletically gifted. He's just not as fast as right. And those are just things kind of going back to Nick, you talked about the story with your son, you know, not getting complacent. You know, it develops a, a level of competition and hunger. And, you know, that's one area that, you know, I probably get a lot of criticism from is how competitive I take even at being five six. But I want them to understand that sports is not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, if there's something you want, you have to go out and take it. That's my overall message. But I know we can sit on this topic for a while, but let's kind of uh, blend this over to um, – the controversy of the old blue in the crayon box. How sharp, how colorful can it get with those conversations? I know they tell us at the beginning of every meeting, let's keep it, let's keep it calm. You come and talk to me in this voice, but let's kind of get into some of those war stories because I know that we can kind of dive into this and probably get a few uh, reactions from our listeners.
2: Oh, the umpires, the umpires, the umpires. So each season, before each season, there's a coaches meeting with the umpires. Being the semi-rule follower that I am, in the springtime, I attended this meeting. So there were 16, 18 coach teams in our league in the spring. Uh, there's three coaches that showed up. I was like, I have a complaint. I was given a scenario about a call that went against us in one fashion. Understood the rule. Like two games later, we did it to somebody and it went against us as well. Again, didn't care what the rule was. Consistently call it. The head umpire gave me this as an explanation. What do you expect from volunteers that barely get paid? I expect you not to roll out people that aren't qualified to do the job that you're asking them is my goal. Like, I don't think that you should put people out in the field that you don't trust to make basic decisions. I think there are times where umpires don't know the rules of the league that they're in. It gets confusing. Had an umpire Monday curse during our game. That was a first.
0: Class, class, class. Uh
2: Very. So one of my assistant coaches, who was coaching first, was kind of chirping with him about a judgment call that the umpire was making during the game, which I don't believe he was right on, but it, it wasn't a black and white rule. It was his judgment call about where a runner where was or wasn't. I've never won an argument with this umpire. I've almost reserved myself to the fact that I'm never going to. So I picked my battles wisely with him. My assistant coach was chirping and chirping and chirping. And the assistant coach basically told him to stop bitching. Could an umpire have used those words to my assistant coach? No. Should he have used those, those words in the middle of the field around children? Not at all. That was uncalled for. He should have known the situation. Again, he's human. I will cuss on this podcast probably more than the other two, just because that's how it comes out. I don't think the umpire meant any malice by it. It just kind of happened. But me and this umpire have had our run-ins before. These are volunteers. They do get paid. They may be experts. They may be kids just out of high school trying to make $40 a night umpiring a baseball game. I don't expect perfection. I also don't expect Angel Hernandez to be out on the field blowing calls (laughs) left and right either. So it's one of those things where you have to tamper your expectations, I think, on what you expect from umpires. Um, I think a lot of it is there are some umpires, especially in our five, six-year-old league, that I think I'm fairly friendly with. I think being on the the board in our league helps a little bit because I get to interact with them outside the diamond a little bit more. Some of it is honestly, if you create a camaraderie with those people, they're more apt to hear you and to listen to you when a call is disputed rather than you just blowing a gasket and going and bitching because you don't like something that happened. Tyler has a lot more experience from a college level or an upper high school level about umpires. And I'll kind of let him give his feedback there.
0: You know, so yes, to leading into that, if I'm coaching a college game and I'm immediately disagreeing, you know, like I know what they'd say, Hey, You need to come out and approach us with respect and blah, 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 what they always tell you. I'm telling you right now, I'm beelining on a very brisk jog straight to their nose, and it's not to necessarily be confrontational. Maybe I'm trying to show them up a little bit, right? But, I mean, I'm coming in there, and I'm wanting clarity, and I need it right then and there, and I don't want to hear judgment call Because to me, that's the biggest cop out that any umpire can ever give. It is their get out of jail free card every day of the week. But I do try to still show a level of respect. If they can hit me with the rule, and they're very confident in it. I think that at the end of the day, that's what I expect and what I ask for. Whatever you saw, I can disagree with that, right? But give me your conviction behind why you called it and stick to your guns. And I still may ask for a second opinion. But stick to your guns. That's what I always always ask for. When I get a sense of weakness or second guessing, then I lose all respect for you. Right. And so to segue into this story, I'm actually in a weird way going to say that this was a pretty proud moment for me, as you all both know. And some of our listeners know I had the cops called on me last year Um, (laughs) and what probably will go down as one of the very few successful protests ever happening in a community or city league. I ran into an umpire where the call that he made one way or the other was deciding the game. There was no way to go back or try to find a way to magic erase mark through it, you know, by something later in the game to overcome that call. That call was the game. So depending on his ruling, it was going to decide who won and who lost. Gentlemen, I have to say this guy was a younger guy. I'm sure that he's going to use this as a learning experience. But one thing that any umpire out here is listening, do not ever tell the coach that's asking you of of the reasoning of your call to say that you didn't see it and that you were going by the way that the play played out. I told him right then and there that I've lost respect for the call, and I was immediately going to protest. Somehow or another, through what I conceived to be my own calmness, I guess spectators thought it to be animated, The cops were called, quickly dismissed, of course. And then later down the road through video evidence, uh, cooler heads were able to prevail. The call went in our favor. We won the protest. But I want to say that I understand or I respect the crap out of these umpires for putting themselves out there. You know, Nick, you had talked about a few things in our first segment about the title that we take on, right? These parents can just wash their hands and walk out. You know, we as the coaches, we, especially when you're wearing that vibrant, Rainbow Astros jersey that you have. We put ourselves with a massive target around our back and we say we open everything and anything when it comes to protecting those 11 kids that are on our roster. Well, on the flip side of that, I would argue that the biggest target and the biggest scrutiny that will ever come from anybody that steps front end of a complex is the guys wearing the blue jerseys or stripes, just spending on the sport that's going to call that game because inevitably we can all agree that there are going to be most likely a minimum of three calls where it's going to get real loud. There's going to be some name calling, some maybe unfriendly gestures, and it's completely being directed towards them. My sympathy, my respect goes out to them for probably a lot of things that they have to endure that I have probably myself, you know, put them through myself in my years of coaching. But I will say I do at the end of the day, as Jordan said, I expect for them to be knowledgeable, for them to be firm, and for them to be confident.
2: So to clarify part of Tyler's story, that particular morning, it was raining. It was raining fairly hard. The game that I was in got delayed. Parent from another team came over and was like, hey, the cops just got called on this game over here that just finished. And we were just like, what? I was like, who was it? They were like, I don't know. Let me come back and find out. I was like, all right. About three minutes later, they came back. And I was like, who was it? They were like, Tyler got the cops called on him. I was like, all right, never mind. It sounds right. Like, so he it was Tyler? I was like, that sounds right. Never mind. I don't even need to know any more of this story. Do we need Bell money? What do we need here? So, oh, here
0: we go. Here we go. Turns out
2: the, Bellmont, the Bell was fairly low and Tyler hasn't paid me back for that. But um, we'll get to I, that at
0: some other point. I still With, got uh, that mugshot on, my, on the milk carton at home. <laughs> I'd also like to clarify
1: uh, for my hometown that are listening. Yes, this was during a five and six-year-old game um, uh, but also to be clear and to be fair to the scenario uh, it wasn't just any other game uh, that game was going to decide which team was going to finish in second place in that what conference i don't know and the whoever finishes is in first and second place gets to send two kids to the all-star game there was a little bit more at stake uh, a little bit more of like personal kid pride. So I understand the, the stakes of that, not to the point where somebody makes a claim where the cops need to be called. I don't know about
0: that part. But- well, I'll, I'll say this, and this is kind of a follow-up to the second story, and then Nick, I'll let you take the mic on this. So literally our last game, and, and I know you said, oh, it's just five and six. I think my thing is, though, Um, and and maybe it is right that I just, from the levels of experience before, I want these kids to be able to understand the rules as much as we're trying to teach them, but them also seeing it being officiated. And so the last game we're playing this team and it was blatantly defensive interference and he lets it play through and and mind you, our score was getting a little lopsided. I go up to the umpire afterwards and, you know, very casually, I was like, just, just want to make sure, like, would that have normally been called? And I actually... To be honest, guys, like internally, I'm struggling with that because I partially wanted to push that envelope a little bit further to say, hey, you're not doing them any justice by allowing that out to be recorded. That second baseman who had defensive obstruction is now not learning a thing. Okay, you got a third out so that we could conveniently end the game because our team was up pretty large, but what are we doing for that kid down the road? Or did you at least give the coach the the dignity of saying, "Hey man, like that runner would have been safe 9 out of 10 times if this game's close," right? And I and I hate that that's almost kind of a charity piece, right? I don't know. I, I I find myself mentally struggling with that because I understand that the umpires have a diligence to move the game along. But I think at the end of the day, and, and one of the biggest reasons why we have this podcast is the educational piece. Yeah, maybe about the game, but these kids being able to understand and to grow. And I don't know if that, I don't know, I'm conflicted on that. Maybe y'all can chime in or our listeners can write a comment on this, but I'm conflicted with that. Did the umpire do the right thing by getting the inning over with? Did he did he leave room for education there uh, I don't know tough tough one for me to decide on that but I let it go I was like you know what it's third out let's let them hit let's get out of this game
1: yeah I think it's I mean obviously the the level of umpire performance so to speak varies based off of the age group in my opinion right like I guess you could say my expectation of a college umpire should be a lot higher level and a lot more dialed in than say somebody that's Officiating a five and six-year-old game right like it's our three four t-ball teams don't get officiated sure it's so like I, and i'm also not trying to downplay it and say like the umpires that we get are bad right like again like at the end of the day jordan my question to you is would we even have a game if we didn't have umpires like what happens if no umpires show up
2: I can do i can do it myself i'm fine I can have game and coach it at the same time. I don't Listen, think, yeah. after after
0: out. having after you having officiated me and Nick's uh, scrimmage, I don't want you.
1: <laughs> no, I mean let's let's
2: be. I did a great job. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's be abundantly clear with this though. Like the game cannot function without those umpires. Yeah, fairly, fairly. Like we can't. We. I mean, clearly, in a five six game, we're having the cops called. We can't officiate ourselves. It's just sad. Um, but I guess my point is, is I've umpired before. I think one of you has mentioned you've umpired before. It's not an easy job. You you're you can never as an umpire, you can never win a game for somebody, but you could sure as heck lose games for people or for teams. So it's, it's, it's almost like a lose, lose situation of if I do my job, nobody knows about me, which is again, we expect that from professionals in professional sports. I don't, my expectations of a five, six is if the guy, if the kid doesn't have the ball the, in like, the glove on first base, don't call the kid out, right? Like it's, my expectations are low and maybe that's wrong of me as a coach, but I, I don't expect them to get it right more often than not. And I, maybe that's sad, but that's my expectations of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I think Nick, that's, that might be a, a agree to disagree, right? Between you and I, I do expect if you're going to go collect a paycheck, whether it's crumbs or whether you're. You know, getting a bag out of it, take some pride in it. You know, I, that's what I'm getting at, right? Not necessarily are you going to get every call right or wrong, but create the characteristics because I believe it or not, I actually know a lot of people who have shifted um, after they've hung them up to umpiring because they still want to be involved in the game and they want to believe that their knowledge of said sport, whether it's basketball, you know, football, et cetera, that they can bring value to it. You know, because I mean, if we're going to be honest, like I think sometimes I sit back and I'm like, man, I, maybe umpiring is, is is a good gig, right? Forty to sixty dollars a game, at, you know, at, at the youth level, try to give them something that maybe they don't get on a regular basis, which I think, to be honest, is an engaged umpire. You know, uh, that's I guess I guess if anything, Nick, that's my biggest complaint. I think with some of these umpires, they get very comfortable. They do the bare minimum. And I expect a little bit more.
2: So we've discussed umpires, we've discussed bad parents. What about bad coaches? So I think I mentioned in our uh, initial episode, it's kind of a community. I mean, you get to know coaches in your age group. I mean, as you play them, some will move up and you'll see them when you move up. Some will move up from a lower tier and you don't know them and you get to know them. I think us as a group, we have other coaches that we're friendly with. We have other coaches that were like, I I know I've met him. I know I've talked to him, but I don't really know him. And we have those coaches where you see and you try not to want to punch him
0: in the throat. Because Um, they've become public enemy number one. And I will say, Jordan, this might be where we just put our mics down and let Nick tell some stories. I've got a story.
1: Uh, As one of my teams, um, we had some attrition issues, not because kids were just magically quitting. Uh, we had one develop baseball phobia, just, just did not want to be there, uh, crying. Like I'm, we're talking to the, the extremes, not like throwing a fit. So like I went from 11 players to 10 and like our league rules requires you had to have nine at the field in order to play your game. So then I went from that. And then uh, one of my players ended up breaking his foot at home, like jumping off of something. So immediately went to nine players and just where, our league is located. It's it's somewhat hard to get to because it's not like literally right off an interstate. Some of my parents are driving from all around you know, the middle Tennessee area to pick up their kids, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where I'm getting at is still will remain a challenge for people to get to the park on time just simply because of traffic and the lack of infrastructure. So I ran into a situation where not only we were not going to have enough kids there at this game, some of our better players weren't going to be there. So I reached out to this coach. In advance and told them, look, my normal pitcher, my normal first baseman have a graduation to attend. My <clears throat> myself and my assistant coach are going to do attend those kids' graduations. Do you care if I have some other assistants and their kids play on this team. Play on the team, so we can have enough players to start a game. And immediately, it came back of, well, who's who's the kid? Who's the assistant? So now all of a sudden, it was let's pick and choose who we're you know have on this team. And league rules dictate any kid that's going to substitute has to play the outfield specifically, start in the right field. If you have two kids, right field, and left field, etc. Yeah, have to bat last. Like there's there's rules in place to to make sure you know people aren't gaming the system. I personally aware of a coach. That would call family and say, hey, don't bring Timmy today. I got a sub like lineup. I don't know that. I'm not saying some coaches aren't against it or above it, sadly enough. But long story short, this coach ultimately decided, no, I'm not going to allow one of the two kids to play. Well, long story short, the assistant brought his kid to the dugout. Unfortunately, I had to break the news to the kid because this other coach didn't want the kid to play for whatever reason, wanted to confront me about it before the game. I say confront me about it. He wanted to do actually hand select which kid was going to substitute. I told, no, I'm sorry. You've had your opportunity. You've clearly made this about you and winning as opposed to allowing kids to play. And I think that's disgraceful. And that's it. I walked away from him. I left and my main assistant coach called me later on that night to explain what happened. We got a teeth kicked in. It was was ugly. But the part that drove me crazy was assistant that was filling in for me. His kid and the dugout started to realize I'm not going to get to play and rightfully so is upset, right? Five-year-old kid was crying, came to the point where an umpire had to ask the question of why, why is this kid so upset? And unfortunately, the other head coach for the other team lied and said, I didn't know that team had another substitute. Flat out lied, like to the point where everybody heard him. And the umpire, thankfully, said, no, that substitute that kid in now. He's going to play. He's going to hit. Like, this game's already out of hand. What are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then, like, I remember having the conversation with other people in our community about at what point are we just sacrificing kids playing? Because quite frankly, that's what this is about. Is kid's supposed to be playing games, specifically rec sports, right? Mm-hmm. All because you wanted to secure a win. You wanted to specifically choose who was gonna substitute in a game because you're worried about wins and loss. It wasn't even a divisional game. The only thing it would have mattered was affecting a win loss. I don't remember exactly where it was in the season, but they were let's throw out a number. Let's just say they were 10 and one. You wanted to hand select which which substitute, which nobody asked if I wanted Barry Bonds Jr. to substitute for JoJo's team, <laughs> and he was knocking you know, rainbows out into the outfield at my four-year-olds, which somehow some way the league told me that they were five-year-olds, but nobody cared about that. So was I was think... not at
2: this game. Nick was not at this game. Neither one of us had proved that this actually happened.
1: <laughs> I've got videos of it. It was sent to me because people were like, wait, what is this eight-year-old doing out here?
0: So I think Nick, I'm the kind of person that, and my first coaching mentor always said hey you you you've always got to be willing to tell somebody when their breath stinks of course figuratively speaking hopefully i don't get that close to somebody and have to literally tell them that but you know with our league i can safely say in terms of interaction there's only ever been one time and and by i say thankfully it's because that means that i've actually held my own self mostly accountable because i know that i can be a handful out there but i've only ever tussled it up with one coach in particular and of course we'll leave out team name and and coach, but I've never found myself in a situation where I'm literally being threatened by the umpire that they're going to kick out my entire staff, including his staff, for the way that the game was being interaction amongst coaches. So a little bit of context on this. I actually was working and was showing up to the game about 10 minutes late. And so I show up and first assistant coach said, Hey man, I'm just letting you know, it's been fireworks from the get rip. Of course, I'm very curious by context at the time, the score was somewhat in reach. This team continues to move forward and is a little bit more experienced and a little bit more just athletically further along. And they do a few things at that point that I get to see what I deem to be, you know, Bush league and, for those out there that are not familiar with, you know, baseball terminology, Bush League would be something that, um, is kind of written with, un- with the unwritten rule of doing something below the standard of which the game should be played. And so they go about doing so. And, you know, I go up to the coach and I'm like, Hey, man, you know, and, and I'm kind of going into it from a strategic perspective and also trying to, you know, minimize any potential landmines that we might be stepping into. And I try to just be, you know, cordial with the guy, you know, hey, heard some things were being said, you know, what can I do with my staff to, to prevent this? Let's put the focus on the kids. And this guy looks at me, he's like, man, I got nothing to tell you. We're going to go out here and we're going to play our very best. And it's your job to stop us. So I stored that in the back of my head. And later on in the game, he has the audacity as he's beating me like 20 something to three, that little Timmy on my team that, is obviously, I'm not paying attention at this point, I've lost my shit, drifts out of the on-deck circle. And he goes to the umpire and asks for interference at 20-3. to three. On top of him doing the merry-go-round, running around base thing that we've talked about. On top of asking for any defensive and base-running obstruction. And we're talking we're in the third inning and we're just trying to finish the game. Well, as y'all have gotten to know me, I'm about as competitive as it gets. So when you tell me it's just 5-6, all of a sudden <laughs> I start taking that very personal especially when it's somebody like this. So as y'all are known, it is very well documented, and I have a reminder setting my office that when I get a chance to play this team and for the viewers out there, I will be playing this coach this season. I am going to make it my mission to remind him of the lesson that he taught me, which is it's going to be your team's job to stop my team from kicking your teeth in. I know if my wife ends up listening to this, she's going to say, well, Tyler, that that wasn't a good moment for you. But I want him to feel what he made my team feel. And I think or I hope possibly as a growing moment is that I pull this coach off to the side and I say, hey, man, I just want to let you know that of all the games that I've ever coached at this league, your game is the only game that has ever stuck with me. And I just want to let you know whatever you meant or didn't mean. Maybe now that we can call a truce and we can move forward. I don't know, guys. I know that's probably not the right thing to do. I should acknowledge that the right thing to do is show sportsmanship and show grace. But y'all, why don't y'all jump in on this and kind of give your perspective on that story and that type of coaching. and So I want to
2: say something that I know Nick usually leads with. I want to challenge you on something you said. So I don't disagree. I know exactly who and what you're talking about. Uh, you said you want him to know exactly how your team felt that day. Did your team feel that way or did you feel that way? Those are two different things. Do you know all 11 kids on your team felt that and went home with that? Or are they children? Did they get their fruit roll up and juice box and then go play? Or did you feel that and you're still angry about it?
0: I will tell you right now, I know I'm angry. I know that the parents on my team trying to climb that cage are angry. But to your point, Jordan, yeah, the kids, if I was to tell my son about that game, he doesn't remember it from the last game that we played. So, yeah, I mean, I guess as you're saying that, maybe I do pull this coach off to the side before the game and exchange pleasantries. And by that, I, I mean that in all seriousness, not, you know you know, facetiously. But at the same time, I... I don't know guys like I know that cooler heads need to prevail and I know I need to do the right thing but that guy is still public enemy number 1 as far as I'm concerned.
2: I know Nick wants to chime in here but I I find myself as a Christian fighting that battle between what is right and what feels right like I in this situation not doing that is probably the right thing to do just because that's the way he made you feel. But from a competitive standpoint, no, you want to shove it down his throat and you want him to take it and you want him to eat it and you want him to live with it. No, the competitor in us, I think we all should want that. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't care, is it all for not? Yeah, you're right.
1: I guess my point would be, or my question is, is do you think he'll even remember you? And that's, that's <laughs> the same. Like that's, again, it's nothing against you or, or your team. Right. I think it could, it really probably comes down to is if that's their philosophy and they are so hell bent on getting that five, six coach of the year banner, putting and hanging above the fireplace. So everybody who walks into their house can admire their accomplishments, all the power to you, right? Like if, if that's, mm-hmm. if that's what makes you feel big, by all means do it, man. I think from my standpoint, I felt that too. Cause I, I was there, not on your team, but we had said we were on a separate team, but I had the exact same feeling. And Tyler, I think I've said this to you before. You can forgive people for what they did, but you'll never forget how they made you feel. Yeah. And I think it really comes down to like, this is honestly where I, I want to be the change. I had the ability to do that this season. I didn't. Does he even recognize that? No. Why, why would he? Right. And even if he did recognize me and even if he did recognize that situation, do I think he cares? Probably not. I mean, clearly he doesn't care enough about whatever. I guess my point is, is like, I want to be the change. I want to be the person that that says, we got to stop this Mm -hmm. whole merry-go-round situation. I have the ability to do it. I'm not going to. I'm going to show you guys grace. I'm going to show you how this should be done. Right. Uh, but that's that's me. I mean, maybe we don't have didn't have the ability. Ultimately, I don't know. I guess my point is, is like if I if I had the s- clearly superior team, I would like to think I would take the higher road. And maybe during the handshake line, uh, as the head coaches do at the end of the game, they're usually the last ones to say, say, look, man, you might not remember me. You might not remember this situation. You may you may do remember me and just want to let you know that, like, it's this is stuck with me. It's bothered me but I don't, I want to be, I want to be the reason this stops. Right? right. Cause you could, you could run rule, you could mercy rule them. And then we're back to the conversation about like, maybe some of those kids on that team actually could be legitimate kids that we could actually get in their in the future as a non-protect mm. or in the draft. Uh, but we may never make it to that point. Cause the kids like, man, baseball stinks. Like we've just got mercy ruled by everybody. They don't know right. that they don't know their head coach was the reason for that. Maybe they do. I don't know. But i yeah, that's that's where I specifically conflict with it. Go ahead,
2: JoJo. So I think to wrap it up, I think it's the ultimate good versus bad, right versus wrong. Do you beat their teeth in? Do you run the score up? Do you beat them badly to make them feel how you felt? Or do you pull a Herman Boone, toss him a banana, and walk off?
0: So, and I'm glad that we've kind of brought this full circle. So one thing that Nick, Jordan, and myself would like to do at the end of our podcast is to making this or hopefully to make this interactive, um, a segment that we call fair or foul, where there's things that we might come across, something that we might read, something that we might see, something that might be playing out in a game that we have. And we just kind of toss it out to our to our audience, you know, as a fair or foul moment, you know, and I, I guess I'll kind of lead this off, given the context of what we just spoke about, you know, viewers, what do y'all think? Is, is it fair or foul? To want to and or if it was to be implemented, a run rule payback situation. And if so, based off of your answer, why would you do it or what would you do, as, as maybe Nick said, to to be the change? That's going to be my fair foul, uh, and I'll hang up and listen to the rest of y'all.
2: So, Slick Nick, let's end on a lighter side. Do you have a fair foul that may be a little more lighthearted that we could end this on?
1: I do uh fair or foul alfredo sauce belongs on pizza
2: foul foul effing foul that's olive garden it's not pizza
0: when i shove it in your mouth you're gonna enjoy every bite of it we're talking about pizza ladies and gentlemen we're
2: talking so about pizza.
0: fair so in between the lines best pizza out there if you haven't tried it guys give it a try with olive spinach. oil or alfredo with spinach with roma tomatoes with grilled chicken
2: Our local Papa John's may get one order ever of Alfredo chicken pizza, and it comes from the Tyler household. Um, Every Friday. At his house, they had Alfredo sauce and chicken on pizza and cheese pizza. That's not pizza. That's a flat grilled cheese. (laughs) And then (laughs) Alfredo pizza is Olive Garden without the unlimited salad and breadsticks. Pizza should have meat on it. And it should also have pineapple on it. So I'm that weird guy that thinks that fruit belongs on pizza. Well,
0: maybe that's find- maybe maybe that's more the fairer foul here. Does fruit belong on pizza? Come on now. Dude, if
2: I could find a way for people to start putting strawberries on pizza, I would
0: not. Calling you a fruit cake there, JoJo. Fruit pizza. Okay. I uh, will uh,
2: contradict myself. Barbecue chicken pizza is delicious. So I don't know what my argument against Alfredo is, other than it just looks disgusting and I don't like it. So you're saying you're not a man at principle? Um, no, I'm very hypocritical. I'm well aware.
0: <laughs> I think he's just a feather in the wind on the end credits of a Forrest Gump movie is what it sounds like. Well, guys, I, I believe that wraps us up for the night. Love to get y'all's input on a lot of stuff that we discussed tonight. Uh, obviously, we kind of touched on a few uh, controversial topics, maybe some taboo topics. Hopefully our perspective provided some insight. We're not going to be perfect as we kind of wrestle through the seasons of youth baseball. But uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And until next time, it's time for us to hang them up.